0: Church, are you guys ready? Stand up on your feet. Come on, let's stand up and we are going to get ready to welcome he is a new friend of mine I met him some time back and ever since I met him I couldn't help but be like one of those guys that just lurked on his Instagram I'm like man this guy preaches good and this guy brings heat this guy brings fire if I ever pastor a church I'm going to invite him to come preach for me well guess what I'm pastoring a church now so I knew I had to bring Adamessa to come in and be a part of Summer with Friends he is a pastor at Abundant Living Family Church it is located in Rancho Cucamonga manga he said y'all are tripping about this heat because it's like over 100 where he's from so he said y'all being bougie with this 80 don't be bougie okay but he's coming to us from the inland empire where it is as hot as hell so you know he's coming in hot i want you to put your hands together as we receive at this time my new friend to close out summer with
1: One more time, give God some praise this morning. Yeah, one more time. Let me set this down. It's good to see you guys. Uh, Go ahead and be seated. First, before we get started, um, I got to get some some things off my chest, okay? If that's all right with you. Number one, you guys are spoiled, Okay. (laughs) Here's the first reason why you're spoiled. You have some of the best pastors in all of California. Pastor Josh and Jojo, the entire team here. You're spoiled for that reason. I, I look and finally, Pastor Gary Isabel connected us and I've been looking forward to I've been following him on Instagram as much as he's been following me. And to see what God has been doing through this church is uncommon. You know, during right now, during COVID, people are closing doors lighthouse churches, buying doors. That, that is uncommon. So if at anything you think you're not spoiled, you are spoiled. You, you've ever had kids or teenagers before? For a long time, I'm a lead pastor now. For a long time, I was a youth pastor. And sometimes we'd have to take kids to the hood to get them to realize how good they really have it when they're complaining at home. You know, you you guys have it really good. And And I don't wanna have to take you to another church to show you how good you have it here with Pastor Josh and the team, but you all have it really good. The second thing that I am absolutely upset at you guys about is every person I have met has complained about this heat. Right now, my phone says it is 79 degrees in Vista. Today, it is going to be over 100 degrees in Rancho Cucamonga. Over 100 degrees. And it's been like that since the beginning of June. Since by this afternoon, it's going to be 72 over here. Are you kidding me? This, is, this weather is, feels good right now. Where Our church is indoors, and we don't even get it to 79 degrees. So the fact that you're outdoors and you get 79 degrees means that you guys are spoiled. But, you know, I'm so excited to be able to share with you guys today as we prepare. If anyone does have a Bible that you can prepare and you can pull out because, you know, I'm really excited uh, to share the word today. Before I do, I just want to introduce you to my family so that you get a little bit to know who I am, what I'm about. Obviously, I'm from the Inland Empire, from Rancho Cucamonga, but this is my wife and my two boys, my, my oldest son uh, there with my wife, Ashley. Obviously, you can tell she's way out of my league. If it wasn't for my, for my super cool tattoos, I don't think she would have gave me a shot in any way. But uh, that is my oldest son, Matthias Malachi Mesa, triple M, uh, with a name like that. Either he's going to be the next president of the United States or he'll own Amazon or something like that. And then my youngest son, that's our newborn. He's four months old yesterday, actually. And his name is Thomas Cohen Mesa. And uh, actually, last March, we lost my father-in-law due to cancer. And, um my father-in-law's name was Tom, and out in the streets, he used to be from the south side of Chicago, they called him Tomcat, and so my son Thomas was actually due on the exact day that he passed, and so we named my son Thomas Cohen, little baby TC, after my father-in-law, uh, to continue his legacy uh, into our family, and so uh, those are my boys, Matthias and Thomas, and my wife Ashley, and so um, if you if you ever get the chance to meet him, which that may be the case, because I mean, I'm just, you guys got good. weather here so I mean I'll be back even if I'm not asked to speak I might just be in the back somewhere with the cold drip coffee and all that stuff just spoiled see how spoiled you guys are cold drip coffee hot coffee cold water you guys just you got it all okay that's some white people stuff so So when I preach today, feel free. You, you can jump in. You can make noise. My church is a majority black church, okay? I'm blacker than Jeff Osborne. He's one of my best friends. But Jeff Osborne grew up in Huntington Beach, California. He, he's not black. He likes to think he's Mexican. That's what he likes to think he is. So, so he's the Mexican version of me, and I'm the black version of him, okay? So that's the difference that he and I share. But he's one of my best friends, and we grew up going to church together, actually at our same church, Abundant Living Family Church. So we are here amongst family. And when I share today, here's what I want you to know before I do share, because we're going to spend some moments together, is I, I am absolutely not here to inspire you today. If that's what you came to church for, is to be inspired You could go on youtube and you could search tony robbins you can watch an oprah winfrey show you could do any of those things if you want to be inspired but what i am here to do is to transform you is for you and i to be transformed by the power of the holy spirit by jesus christ that the way we came in here we leave a little bit different okay not to just be inspired by thought but be transformed by heart that 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 is what we come to church for that is what makes us different If it's all about inspiration, there are tons of stories out there that are inspiring, but there aren't very many that are transforming. That's something that only God can do. And so today, I want you, we have some scriptures we're going to go through, and if you want to prepare for that, you can go to Hebrews chapter 13. But today we're gonna talk about something that you and I can get a little bit more of, that there is something that's essential to our Christian life. And it's not something fancy that's gonna be, you're gonna walk away and be inspired by, but you will walk away and be, wow, I am transformed, God. I look at you a different way. I've been equipped a little bit more as a believer in life. Today we're gonna talk about the peace of God. Something you and I need in our life is we need God's peace. You need more of it. You can never have too much of it. You can never have too much of God's peace in your life. In making decisions, you know what you need? Is you need peace. In being blessed by God, you know what you need? You need peace. I'll tell you something you definitely need in your marriage is peace. I definitely know you raising your kids. What you and I both need is sleep and peace. Whatever it is, though, peace is an essential for, function. So let's pray this morning and dig right in. God, we come before you, Father God, and we just pray, Lord. That you transform our hearts and minds this afternoon, God. I just thank you, Lord, that we can come here today, Father God. That you're doing something in Lighthouse Church, God. From serve day to baptisms to growth track, God. There's so much life here, Father God. And so I pray, Lord, that this church be a beacon to this city, Father God. I pray as this church is nestled between homes, that as praise and worship rings in this outdoor cathedral, Father God, that people door will hear it one day and what maybe will be an annoyance at one point will turn into a transformation where they'll feel a sickness in their body and it just happens on Sundays when worship's playing that illness begins to subside God I pray that this place be a place where there is healing there is manifestation of God's power presence and the Holy Spirit Father God and I pray Lord that this is just a beginning of what is going to happen in Lighthouse's future Father God and in this moment Lord may every person Leave here transformed and ready and willing to fight the good fight of faith, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about peace. Thank you, brother. That sounded so good. I feel like I I sounded better with the keys at that point. Now you're going to get my regular voice without the piano. I just want you for a second, look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. It'll be up on the screen probably as well. But this is the verse that we start off today and that we're going to read as we launch into talking about what it means to have peace. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, it says this, the author of Hebrews says, Now may the God of peace, not the God of war, not the God of prosperity, uh, not the God of happiness or health, The God of peace. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. There's two huge verses and points words here. In verse 20 and 21. First is the Hebrew, the writer in Hebrews tells us what kind of God God is. He just right off the bat says, now may the God of peace. Okay, that's important. Because it's important to note. wow, if he says the God of something, then I should probably lean into that. I should probably understand what is being said when he says the God of peace. The second thing is he says in verse 21, may the God of peace equip you. With everything you need to do his will. Or in other words, to live your life. May the God of peace equip you for everything you need in your life. You see, every single day that an officer gets up to go out on duty, what do they do? They put on the necessary equipment. They put on a belt has handcuffs, they put on a belt that has a firearm in case they need it, they put on a belt that has a flashlight, they have a taser, they put on a bulletproof vest, they put on a camera, an EMT. When they go out to work, what do they do? They grab a necessary bag with them in their vehicle in case someone needs heart-to-heart resuscitation. They may have a defibrillator. They may have necessary medications in case someone's allergic to something. They may have some type of, if you live in our areas where there's snakes, they may have some type of venom that's gonna help you to get to the hospital. Whatever it is, they're equipped. They're, They're ready to handle an emergency. A soldier, the same thing. A soldier is equipped. When going out to battle, they have boots. They're not wearing sandals. They're not wearing chanclas. They're not wearing rainbows or anything like that. When a soldier goes out to war, they're wearing boots. They're wearing camouflage that covers the, their feet all the way down to their arms so that in case they got to crawl, run, jog, jump, they're not going to get cut up, scraped up. They have an AR. Soldiers don't have little handguns. That's not going to get you very far in war. They have an AR. They have some type of rifle, they have a, a, a helmet because there's going to be a lot of stuff flying around their heads, so their head is covered. See, soldiers are equipped. They're ready. In case of emergency, I'm ready to go. And if any point an officer gets called out in case of emergency, if they don't have any of those things on them, we would say they are an ill-equipped officer. If an EMT, an emergency response person came and the ambulance came and they showed up on the scene and there was an emergency and they said, hey, I actually came, I just wanted to check out to see what things I might need and then I'm going to run over to the hospital and I'm going to get it. Or in the same way, a soldier gets called out to battle, and they fly all the way to the Middle East, and then they get there and say, okay, now I see what I need to go and prepare for. I'm going to go back to the U.S., I'm going to get a grab bag, and then I'm going to come back. It's too late. It's ill-equipped. But you see, Christians, we do that all the time. We're ill-equipped in our faith. You see, when we face an emergency, a life circumstance, I say, well, oh, wait church isn't until Sunday that's when I can ask Pastor Josh how to get through this or wait oh we don't even have young adults gathering till next Wednesday or this day oh I that means I can't do anything or your friend comes up to you they say hey I'm struggling with some things I need some help and you go oh I'm I'm ill-equipped you see the reality is if you understand the promise in Hebrews the God of peace which we'll talk about in a moment will equip you for everything you need as a believer. Now, if you want to be equipped well, then what do you have to do? You have to lean into the peace of God. You have to lean into everything that's going on. you got to get into growth track. you got to get into baptism. If you want to be equipped right for what life is going to throw at you, because it's going to throw some things at you, that I promise you. You need the peace of God. That's the only way you and I can get through whatever life throws at us, whatever Satan throws at us, whatever our friends may throw at us, whatever relationships may throw, whatever our job may throw at us. Without the peace of God, you and I are ill equipped. So let's talk about peace a little bit. Here's what the famous preacher, I love Charles Spurgeon so much. He's a preacher from the 1800s. He says this, when a patient believes in a physician, he carefully follows his prescriptions and directions. You see, faith which refuses to obey the commands of the Savior is a mere pretense and will never save a soul. The reality is the Bible says that Jesus is the great physician. And so if you are going to look to Jesus as the great physician when he prescribes you something, you and I got to do it. There's no debate. If I go to the doctor and I have this illness and I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm staying up and I, I can't even get any sleep, I got a headache, I got this. And the doctor says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to a chiropractor three times a week. You're going to take this medication. You're going to do this. I'm not going to immediately go to the doctor and be like, well, I just don't like those things. Those don't feel right with me. He'd look at me and he'd be like, all right, you're going to keep having your headache. I don't care. I'm just trying to tell you based off what I know. This is how you're going to be able to get through it. And you see, when you and I come to Jesus, we don't tell Jesus what we're going to do. We sit at his feet and say, Jesus, what should I do? You're the physician. You're the one I'm here to listen to. You're the one I need. You're the expert on my soul. You're the one who can heal me. You're the one that can deliver me. So therefore, when God speaks, I'm going to lean in a little bit more. Because when Hebrews says that the God of peace, that's a prescription. If you're looking for peace, well, I know the person who can give it to you. If you're looking for rest, if you're looking for deliverance, if you're looking for salvation, I know the person you can go to. His name is Jesus. You see, first, it's really important before we just jump into a few points that I have with you guys it's important for us to know that when I say the word peace you and I have the same basic understanding because for a lot of people when we hear the word peace we may just think of a peace sign that we all give in pictures you know (laughs) it's cool or we may think if there's any people that are children of the 70s you may have a peace medallion or a peace t-shirt and you think of that or someone may just think of when two countries are at war and then they come together and say hey we're not going to fight anymore that's peace But you see, when the Bible talks about peace, it talks about something so much deeper, something so much richer, and something so much deeper than just a peace sign or a peace medallion or peace at war. So here's what happens. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, the God of peace, there's a Greek word that's used. And I want you, I'm not going to talk too much over anyone's head today, but it's important that we understand what these original language words mean because Greek and Hebrew is a lot deeper than English. Uh, English is a very simple language, but Greek and Hebrew are very complicated. They mostly mean symbols, things that symbolize things, then they just do meaning words. And so here's the thing. The Greek word for peace that's used in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, is irenus. Irenus. It's where we get the name Irene from. It's also in English where we get the word serene from, serenity. Is from the derivation of Irenus in the Greek. So what happens in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, the the author says, Now may the God of Irenus, now may the God of Irenus. That's the word that's used talking about peace. What does that mean? Well, here's what peace means in the Greek. It's much deeper than our English word of beats. It means to join and tie Together into a whole. In other words, it's more of a symbolism. It's when all essential parts are joined together. When all essential parts are joined together. Here I have, even though the movies are absolutely horrible, I have a Fast and Furious car. (laughs) They become horrible. I have a Fast and Furious car right here, and, and, and here I have the vehicle. It's in pieces right now. Yeah, I got the tires. I got the door. I got the body, the engines there, the hood, the roof. Everything that's needed for a vehicle is here, except for individually, for the most part, there's no value in these things separated together, okay? So if I came here, and unless no one here needed tires, if I said, hey, I got some free tires for you, some of you guys just say yeah to anything, but the majority of us all here... If I said, hey, I got some free tires, does anyone want them? Majority of everyone in the room would go, no, I don't have a place for it, I'm good. If I said, hey guys, I have a roof to a car, would anyone like it? Everyone would say, no, I I don't need a roof to a car. If I just said, hey, I have the body of a car, nothing on it, no, no rims, no tires, no steering wheel, anything like that, does anyone want it? Besides a few people here, majority of everyone would say, no. But if I came here and said, hey, y'all, I have keys to a fully built 1960s Chevy just sitting out in the parking lot. I don't have any need for it. Does anyone here want it? Who would take that? You, you don't even have a garage and you would take it. Some of y'all don't even have a driver's license and you would take it. Why? Because the moment it's put together functioning the way it's supposed to, it has value. And the reason why so many people in this world are searching for value is because they don't understand that there's only one person that can put them together. So when I say the God of peace, I'm not talking about a peace sign. I'm talking about the God that can put you together. The God that can give you some value. Are you looking to be valuable? Are you looking to have value? Then I know the only person who can truly do it. A lot of us think if I just get the right job, I'll have value. If I just get the certain amount of money, I'll have value. Or if I just marry the right girl or guy, then I'll have value. But the reality is is if you are looking for something else to put you together, to bring you value, you will not have peace. That's why when people say, I got everything I wanted, but I still feel empty. has yeah. so anyone ever been there before? You, you were praying for something materialistic, and you thought, if you just got it, then you'd be at peace. Then you get it, and you're going, what the, what the heck is this? I just wanted a girl, and then I got married, and I realized this thing is hard. <laughs> I just wanted a job, and then I got money, but then I bought things that I couldn't afford every month. I thought, I didn't. I didn't realize this was so hard because the reality is is if you feel like you're in pieces, there's only one person that can bring you peace. You see, so the God of peace, the one that can put you together can only be found in God. So if you're looking for peace in your life, if you're believing God for something, you say, God, give me some peace in this. If you have to make a big decision, maybe it's a job interview, maybe it's deciding if this is the right person for my life or maybe you just feel like you're at the end of a rope. And you need peace. Well, there's someone deeper than that that can put you together. Here's some things that are the exact opposite, the antithesis of peace. And I don't know if it relates to you, but I've been there before. Here's what the opposite of peace is. It's contention, disorder, discord, dissidence, strife, disorder, war, battle, turmoil, turmoil, I don't know if you ever felt like that before. I don't know if you ever felt like you were in disorder. Relationships were in disorder. I don't know if you've ever been in contention or discord with anyone. I don't know if you've ever had strife with anyone. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've had unrest before. I have. And so if I'm looking to God, I know if I'm having ever ever any of these issues, I know that the only person that can put me together and heal those things is God. You see... The Greek word for peace is Irene, but then there's the more famous word for peace in the Bible, which everyone here, whether you speak Hebrew or not, we all know this word. You ever heard the word shalom before? Well, every Jewish person who speaks Hebrew, that is the greeting. Breakfast, morning, night, they, they don't have a good afternoon, a good morning, a good evening like English does or Spanish does. You see, in the Hebrew, if you were to go to Israel, which I've been before, whether it's morning, noon, or night, everyone always says shalom, which means peace be to you. Or what it also means, the actual definition means, it's meaning to be made whole, wholeness. And so rather than just having a good morning, they wish you to be whole at at times. Because I can have a good morning, but I can also have a sucky night. So when we go somewhere and we go get a coffee or something, they say, good morning. Well, that's nice, but by this afternoon, it could be not so good anymore. Or someone right now can tell me, how are you doing? And in the moment, I could either say, I'm good, but by in a couple of hours, it could be not so good anymore. So in, in the Hebrew custom, there's no such thing as good day, good evening, good morning. It's always, may God give you wholeness at all times of the day. May you be made whole. Shalom. And so rather than just wishing someone good morning, they say, man, shalom. I don't know where you're at in your area of life, but I hope that God's making you whole. I hope that everything that you're called to do and be, I hope that's being fulfilled in the promises of God. Shalom to you. You see... Really, there's only one group of people in our world today. In, in the areas of Guatemala, there's a group of Native Americans or Indians that would be known as the Kekchi Indians. It's a group of tribe that originates kind of in Guatemala, but also a few other areas of that nation. And and they have a translation into English for peace, which means this. They use the word quiet goodness, quiet goodness. I don't know about you, but sometimes life feels loud. It feels chaotic. And I could do with some quiet. I have a newborn. I can always do with some quiet. I can always do with a little bit of goodness. Because sometimes I'm going through a lot of mess and a lot of muck. But if peace means that I can have some quiet goodness, I'll take that. I can use some rest at night when I'm sleeping. I can use some peace from God in my heart. You see, the biblical concept of peace does not focus on absence of trouble. That's not what peace means. Biblical peace is unrelated to your circumstance. It is a goodness of life that is not touched by what happens on the outside. You may be in the midst of a great trial and still have peace. You see, it's just like what we say in church a lot of times is there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based off a circumstance and joy is a position in which you stand in all areas of life. There's a reason why you can go through hardship and still have joy, but you're not happy in the moment. That's what peace is. Peace says, I could be going through all the mess in the world, but yet my character will not change. My countenance will not change. Who I am as a husband will not change. Who I am as a father will not change. My character will not be pushed aside. That's what biblical peace means. King David says it this way in Psalms chapter 4, verse 8. And I love it. You know, King David's been through hell in his life before. Some were some of his decisions. He he made some poor decisions. He killed one of his generals. He slept with the general's wife. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably want to kill David too at that moment. And then also people just didn't like his calling. They didn't like how favored he was by God. They didn't like even when he messed up and he went to God for forgiveness that God still loved him and God still forgave him. They didn't like that. And so David, when he talks about peace, Psalms chapter four, verse eight, what does he say? He says this, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone. O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You see, when David goes through mess, he says this, I'm going to go take a nap. That's what I'm going to do, because when you're having unrest, how many of you guys find it's difficult to sleep when you're going through it? When when, when you are married and one of y'all are sleeping in the other room, it's not the best night's sleep you're going to have. It's going to be unrestful. So David recognizes something. He says, if I will trust my hope and faith in God, then I'm going to go lie down and I'm going to get some sleep. When when I can't pay my bills right now, I'm going to go sleep. I'm going to go take a nap. When I just got let go, I'm not going to fright. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to go get a good night's sleep. Why? Because my God's in control. My God's with me. My God delivers me. You see, David understood something to follow God meant something so much richer with God being the God of peace. So here's the thing. If you are taking notes, and I know you guys love taking notes. I've seen your notes on Instagram, so I got three points for you. All right, I share. I have three points always when I preach, but I know you guys are a note-taking church, so here's your three points. The first point is the purpose of peace. What is the purpose of peace? It's got to have a purpose. It's got to have a point, right? Here's the purpose of peace. It says in John chapter 16, verse 33, "These things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus speaking. These things I've spoken to me, to you, that in me." In Jesus, you may have peace because in the world you will have tribulation. I don't know if anyone's ever turned on the news lately. I don't know if anyone's ever opened up Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. It's not a pretty place. So Jesus says in the world you may have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus says out in the world is hard. It's difficult. There is things that are not ideal. There are some ugly things in the world. There's Satan in the world. There's sin in the world. And so what Jesus says, he says, I'm not going to fix all the problems in the world because that's for a later date. But what I will do is if you search for me, I'll give you peace so that when the world does go through it, you see the the lighthouse church is supposed to be a light to the city that when the world is experiencing chaos and tribulation, people look to you and they say, why are those people so calm and collected? How come when they go through adversity, they don't respond the way that the world responds? How come when they experience difficult times, they don't respond the way the world responds? How come they don't react in anger the way that the world reacts? How come they don't go to Twitter and shout off? How come they don't go on Facebook and argue with their neighbor? There is something different with Lighthouse Church. And so then what we're supposed to do is supposed to say, because I found peace in Jesus. That my peace is not defined by my circumstance. See, what's the purpose of peace? The purpose of peace is to find it in Jesus, in the gospel, in the saving work of Christ. That's what we got to search for. That's what we need to find. You know, whenever I go down to San Diego and I'm in the city, the downtown area, whenever I go to Los Angeles and I'm in the downtown area, or whether I go to New York and I'm in the downtown area, everyone seems to have these one-way signs. Out in the suburbs where we all are at, they're pretty uncommon. We always have two-way roads and streets and even where I'm at. And the reason why I'm not always used to driving on them, so whenever I go to San Diego or Los Angeles or something like that, and and I see these one-way signs, I think to myself, is that really a one-way sign? (laughs) Is that, you know... Do I really need to obey that one-way sign? And so there's so often times that I'll be, have my Google Maps open, and it'll tell me my, my destination's to the right, and I can see the restaurant, but it's still telling me I have 10 minutes to get to the restaurant because i got to go down four blocks and make a right and left because they're all one-way roads. And I'm looking, and I'm going, the restaurant's right there. And so I'm usually at the turn signal, and I'm paused, and my wife looks at me, and she goes, Adam, don't you do it. My wife so really likes to keep the rules. She don't like breaking the rules. So I look to myself, I look at I look at I say, babe, it's, it's right there. She goes, what if there's a cop around? What if another car turns around going fast? What if someone doesn't see? She starts naming all these things that could go wrong, but then I think to myself, but it's right there. <laughs> and so then, you know, I concede and I'll, and I'll go my wife's way. But what would happen if that restaurant, and it was a one-way road, But yet, the one-way road and the restaurant was still five miles down the road. And I chose to go down the opposite of the one-way. What would happen then? Surely something is going to go wrong. I'm probably not going to make it to my destination. I'm probably not going to get to where I need to go. And if I do get there, it's going to be after a lot of mistakes and a lot of hurt. Potentially a car wreck. Potentially. And then what if I did hit a car and then I thought to myself, well, I'm going to keep going on the opposite way of this runway. That's what people do all the time. You see, when there's only peace found in Jesus, there's only one way. Only one way to find peace. There's only one way to find salvation. There's only one way to find hope. There's only one way to get you through your marriage. There's only one way to get you through your job, your life. There's only one way. And you can keep driving against traffic all you want, and that's why it's getting so hard for you. That's why it's always so difficult. That's why every single time you go, oh, I'm going to go against the traffic, it's hard and it's difficult. That's why you come to church and say, oh, Pastor Josh, all the things here are great. They're good, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep doing life my way. Well, how's that working out for you? Because it wasn't working out good for me. When I was looking at everything else in life but Jesus to find peace, to find hope, it was a tough road. It's a difficult road. All my friends, we all have the same story that every time we look to someone else or something else to give us peace, it always ended in destruction, always. So what's the purpose of peace? It's to find the one way to peace. His name is Jesus. Here's the second point, as I know you guys are taking notes. There is a promise of peace. It's a promise. I don't know if you've ever asked that question before. God, I'm gonna give you my life But how do I know you're going to take care of me? How do I know I can trust you? Because every person I've ever trust, they didn't meet up to that expectation. Every person that I gave my hope, my love to, they broke that. I don't know if you ever asked that before. God, how how do I really know that you're going to be there for me? Well, Jesus makes a promise. Makes a promise to us. And unlike our friends and our neighbors and even sometimes our spouses, they may break promises. But I'll tell you one person who doesn't. God doesn't. God never breaks a promise. You could read the Bible front to back, and you can see every time he made a promise, he fulfilled that promise. He lived up to that promise. So here's the promise that Jesus makes us. It's in John 14, verse 27. Jesus says this. This is before Jesus is going to ascend to heaven. This is as Jesus knows that he's going to be, in the disciples' eyes, leaving us to heaven, no longer doing life and ministry on earth. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. What does he give us? He says, I promise you that when I leave and go to heaven, number one, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit according to the book of Acts. And number two, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Because here's the thing, everything the world has to offer to you, it wants a piece of you. So Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives you. Because Jesus says, if the world is going to give you something, it wants something back in return. Jesus gives pro bono, no strings attached, give you peace. What do I got to do for it, Jesus? Nothing, nada, follow me. That's it. Though it's hard to do in application, it's actually pretty easy in what he's asking. Then he says this, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, here's what many of us have to understand, especially those who are maybe new believers or young believers. Here's what it is so important for understand. You see, we have to recognize that God doesn't promise a perfect life. Okay? Okay. I just want you to know that right now. If you're coming to church, if you just said yes to Jesus, if you said it because you're searching for a perfect life, that's not why you follow Jesus. You see, Jesus promises a peaceful life, not a perfect life. See, here's two times where we get it wrong. Number one, when we give our life to Jesus and we're following Jesus, we think that means a perfect life, free from troubles, free from trials, free from hardship. And so when things don't go our way in life, we think to ourselves, we go to God, God, I thought you were with me. God, I go to church. We start to say all these things that we do, even though we know grace and forgiveness is free and you can't earn it. But for some reason, as Christians, when things aren't going our way, we start to feel like we have to tell God all we've done for him. Then we switch to an earning God. But God, I gave me and my husband. We pray together. But God, I gave up this for you. But God, I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. When is life going to get easier? When is this? God never promised you an easy life. He never promised me an easy life. He did not promise a perfect life. What he promises is a peaceful life. What he promises is the more you lean into him, he is not going to ask you to give anything up. He's actually going to give into you. The more you pour into God, the more you strive after God. The scriptures say as you draw close to God, he will draw even nearer to you. That's a promise. He will draw nearer to give you the strength to fight what it is that you're fighting for. Not to always make it easy. And that's why when the world looks at us, they say, you Christians, you're supposed to be perfect. That's one thing we got wrong to the world. Is we have made the world and led them to believe that when we say following Jesus, we think that means come and he will make you perfect. And so when they see that we're imperfect people, they say, That's why Jesus isn't real. I mean, last time I checked, church is not a museum where we just come in and we look at all the perfect people. This is Brother Joe, and he's so perfect now. He used to be so imperfect, and we sometimes do that with testimonies, right? We show how imperfect someone is, and then we show, and now he comes to church, and he's so perfect, and he's got everything right. And then when Joe messes up, we say, too bad, Joe. You're not perfect anymore. We got to sit you down. Right? And I'm not saying there's no room for discipline and accountability. That stuff needs to happen. But the problem is, we've always made faith about being perfect and imperfect. And we've messed up in that area. I've messed up in that area. What I gotta recognize is that God promises me peace in trial and circumstance. And what is peace again? He he makes me whole. He puts my pieces together. Irene, Shalom, He's gonna make me whole in my life and that's what we have to recognize when it comes to God and here's the last point is this it's our responsibility now like I talked about this is what the world needs to see okay the purpose of peace is only to be found in Jesus the promise of peace is no matter what you're going through you can always have peace that is a sureness that is a promise and the second the third thing is God is calling you and I to be people of peace not people of war Not people of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, not people who are sharing our opinions on everything and everyone and fighting and arguing and being divisive because that is the opposite of peace. So we can't be called by Jesus to be people of peace, but also at the same time, tearing relationships off left and right, breaking off friendships and relationships left and right, being criticizing left and right. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse five to six. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a man of peace, Irene, a man that is willing to have his life put together, is there your peace will rest upon him in other words he says in the environment there will be a double fold portion of peace in that environment so if you bring peace and your spouse brings peace peace is multiplied in the household but if only one spouse brings peace and the other spouse doesn't bring peace then what happens jesus says this but if not if there's a person that doesn't receive peace if not It will return back to you. Then you will get that double portion of peace. So either you can rest peace in an environment. If someone there is willing to be a person of peace and wholeness as well, then it will fill. Let's just say maybe if all of Lighthouse says we're all going to be people of peace. Maybe just maybe all of Vista, all of San Marcos, all of San Diego (laughs) could be transformed. But if only one person comes in here and says, I'm going to be a person of peace, and the rest say, no, nah, we're good, then that person is going to walk away with a promise of God that says they're going to be even more peaceful. So in other words, you can't knock me. So whenever I go into a chaotic, scenario and I'm saying, and I'm saying, I'm going to be a person of peace, and you all are saying here, well, you don't know my boss. You don't know my manager. You don't know my spouse. Well, here's what I do know, is that if you're going to be a person of peace and they don't receive it, you're getting a double portion back. That manifestation is going to play out in so many different ways that you don't even realize. But first, what you have to be willing to do is you have to be willing to receive the God of peace. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. May the God of peace give you everything, equip you, what you need. And so he has a purpose for you. He has a promise for you. And he wants you to be a person of peace. But the question is, is am I going to walk in that? Am I going to live in that? Am I going to let the world and the tribulations of the world and what the world wants for me, am I going to let that ruin my life? Am I going to let that ruin my calling? Am I going to let my flesh and my sin ruin what God has for me? Because every time I pursue my flesh, my sin, I end up in pieces. And I only know one person that can put your pieces together. His name is Jesus. So here's what I want to do right now first. I want to be able to speak the God of peace over your life. And so would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Before I make an invitation to follow Jesus, first I just want to pray and believe God because there is an anointing when the word of God is preached that there's a manifestation of God's presence that happens. If anyone here needs peace, is searching for peace, is looking for peace, you need peace in a decision, you need peace in a relationship, Or maybe you're just saying, I really want to be known as a person of peace. You're unrestful. You need God's rest. You need God's shalom. You need God's Irene in your life. I just want you to raise your hand. That's what I want to do. I want to pray for you right now. If you're looking for peace, just raise your hand. If you need peace, raise your hand. Let's pray right now. God, right now we come before you, Father God, as our hands are raised. And we are looking to you for peace, Father God. I pray, Lord, that your shalom rest on every person's mind right now, Father God. I pray that your rest land on every person's heart and soul right now, Father God. I pray that your manifested presence will lay on every person as they are searching to make decisions or to find rest in a situation or are losing sleep at night or having difficulty in relationships and life, God. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray whatever it is that they're needing rest for that right now the Holy Spirit is moving through them and in them Father God I pray that they are finding rest and peace in every decision every necessary fight and battle they're going through Lord I pray as the world has taken something from them God you are filling that void in right now Father God that you are restoring their heart and their soul and you're bringing healing right now Father God like they never knew before Lord I pray that tonight be a night that they find sleep and rest like they have not had in months years or in their life, Father God. I pray, Lord, that this has transformed a moment and just not inspired a moment, Father God. I pray no one walks away from this and says, wow, what a great message, but rather says, my God is good in my life. My God has given me peace in my life, Lord. I pray for a transformation work in this place right now, Father God, and may lighthouse these people be known as people of light in this city and in this county and in this state, Father God.